0: I am from beyond. Listen, and all you desire will be yours. Welcome to Spider-Dan and the Secret Wars. Prepare for battle. It was a defensive exercise. Yeah, best defense is a good offense. Or is it the other way around?
1: Welcome to Prattle World. I'm your host, the ever-amazing, ever-spectacular Spider-Dan. And in this podcast, I spotlight entertainment's best-kept secrets that a mainstream audience may find boring. Welcome back, guys, to another edition of Secret Defenders, where I bring on guests to talk about their their lesser-known films that they love, or cult films, or films that the general public just don't really like that much. Uh, So I have another podcast extraordinaire with me today, who's going to talk about a very unique... Film. It is Dan Velasquez. Welcome.
0: Hello, Dan. I thought you know you obviously don't have enough Dans to appear on this program, and I thought I would just I know. add to that.
1: We've got we've had three Ds on this program now, including yourself triple d's um which uh sounds dirtier than i meant it to be (laughs) um but we're here today so um before we get stuck into the film you're going to talk about i won't mention it just yet i'd just like to talk about you and talk about how we know each other and how long we've known each other
0: Charming. Uh, well, Dan. Um, I've had the pleasure of knowing you for nigh on a decade. I think. Was oh, it that long? As, um. Well, it's not quite that long. No, don't worry. Close. Close. Well, you know, it's it, 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 in kind of ge- geological terms. It's, it's, <laughs> it's quite a lot. It's, I, I, it's you, I, am thing. I the old fossil or you? <laughs> <laughs> oh, things are definitely me. By the way, um. Uh, as the listeners may be aware, I've been a little bit ill uh, for the last you week have. or so. Um, which has tragically delayed the recording of this, um, which we've both been very much looking forward to. Oh, very much. And I'd just like to apologise in advance if there's an occasional moment where I might have a little cough. Or yes, something. We,
1: will, we will forgive you, Dan, because I know it's been quite harrowing for you to be to be this ill. So, um, But we'll carry on regardless.
0: It's been a tough one. So yeah.
1: how, how, did we, how did we meet?
0: Well, um... Uh, I am a writer and a blogger and a podcaster, as you've mentioned, but Mm -hmm. I also, um, kind of in a previous life, um, have a bit of an acting career behind me, Mm -hmm. and we worked together on a a few productions, I think. We
1: did, we did. Uh, We were in in Harvey, that was the first one.
0: That was a a wonderful uh, little show. Yeah, you... Oh no, I didn't play a doctor, I played the judge. Yes, you played Uh, a a
1: lovely Scottish judge.
0: Yeah. Quite
1: eccentric, I remember. There
0: were lots of different (laughs) nationalities in that play, Um, because you... You played the um, the English um, sort of doctor who was the head of yeah. you know, the mental I think, hospital. I, I think it was
1: the closest I've ever come to playing like a hero or like a kind of a charming he, he lead, was quite
0: the dashing guy. Yeah, yeah. yeah absolutely. Um, whereas I was um, the judge who I decided to play a Scottish. There were um,
1: you know what it reminded me of quite a bit was was um, was Edward Woodward in The Wicker Man, which I know I know um, you're a, you're a fan of. That
0: probably was an influence on the voice, to be fair. <laughs> and uh, I think I just chose to. do it with an accent because it might make it because the thing about Harvey is it's an American play and it's yes. nominally set in America but mm. we're obviously not Americans and we clearly didn't. not but I don't think we really decided where it was set because no. there were still references in the script to places like Pasadena yeah um, so there was I think a, it was
1: that we changed some references to like something or we tried to make it out like it was Somewhere in England, or it was the name of a mental facility, or something like that. I
0: think. I, but I, I do remember that I, I kind of argued that we should change Pasadena to Saint Anne's or yes. live in Saint Anne's. Yeah,
1: that's my hometown.
0: But, but is that really? Yeah, it's my hometown. wow. I did yeah. not know that. Dan. Yeah, I'm
1: from I was, uh, well, I was born in Blackpool, but I mostly live in live in Saint Anne's. Well, my family lives in live in Saint Anne's. Yeah, all right, okay, yeah. oh, brilliant. I, I, so should, I would I would have you agreed should just with back
0: it. me up on that one then when I made that. <laughs> decision, <laughs> I should have because obviously nobody else listened to me and it didn't am, but So um, that
1: was that was one of like several kind of plays that you were kind of involved with that were kind of based off movies weren 't they so harvey was harvey was a play but then made into a movie.
0: Yeah. Well, there was an, uh, they weren't all movies, strictly speaking, but they might have been from TV or comic books or things like yes, that. Yes, there were Yeah, There, there was, was uh, like, The Ballad of Halo Jones, which was a 2000 AD comic book. Yes, yeah, yeah Alan did. Moore, Alan Moore one. Um, and, um, these were all in Manchester, by the way. Mm. At um at a venue which I'm not going to mention because it's no longer there. Yeah, it doesn't it's exist, sad. sadly. Yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, they did a lot of sitcoms. There was, like, mm. uh, The Good Life and mm. the, the Porridge and things like that. All done with kind of permission and an arrangement with, with the writers. And it was a really exciting little time of doing theatre that was not Quite normal theatre in a way because it was taking inspiration from a different place, hmm. whether be it comics or we also did some um, like adaptations of um, the horror writer Simon Clark. We okay. did Some of his stories. We also did, you know, like any theatre, we did original things. But hmm. I mean, for, we tried to keep even the original things kind of within the genre of appeal that would hmm. that, that would give them something in common with the other stuff we were doing. So, um, uh, you know, we did like Centurion, which was a, a, like alien-esque haunted okay. house in space nice kind of thing we did that at Bab Cafe actually which is still there That that's good
1: um, one of my uh, night spots when I go out I, freq- right. I frequent there okay I won a it's... Batman quiz there on Batman Day last year <laughs>
0: what's Batman Day
1: Batman Day oh, what date is it I don't know what date it is but it's basically a celebration of Batman Well, um, um, his is 80th birthday this year right 80 wow. years of Batman believe it or not anyway let's uh, let's uh, uh, before we get started I want to ask one more thing is there anything you're currently involved Involved in uh, any work you're doing that you'd like to promote, any social media handles you use?
0: Well, certainly. Um, uh, thanks for the opportunity. Well, um, as I mentioned, uh, I'm a writer and a blogger, and um, I've got a blog called Life Is About Fiction, which is just me musing about various fictional things which interest me. Uh, the main thread of it, to start with, was um, me uh, deciding that I need to finally watch every Shakespeare play in some form, whether okay. it was a film or whether it was an actual play, or, hmm. but not read it. That's no, the key no. thing, you know, to,
1: like, to see if you like understand it, you get it or if it's a good adaptation. And on the principle
0: or... that he wasn't writing for people to read no, it. Not true. So I started that but it, it kind of branched out into other things. So that's um life is about fiction at wordpress.com um, and on Twitter it's @lifeisaboutfick um, also uh, i review uh, audio dramas for the digitalfix.co.uk okay. um yeah mainly kind of sci-fi stuff i mm. reviewed one of the alien audio audible dramas
1: is, is that the one by one of them
0: by Dirt mags is it dirt Mags? yes um uh, and in, i think he produces and writes uh, yeah. all of them mm. and, and i reviewed the first one he did He's, oh no the middle one i reviewed um alien river of pain okay which is the sort of prequel to the movie alien okay. which is very interesting and, and sounds good fun. um the the other two I haven't reviewed but I have heard them all and they are all very good I'm hoping they're just about to release another one but they haven't told anyone because it is Alien Day next that's week, right that's right yeah the 26th of April they've been, they've been
1: releasing like some shorts I think some movie shorts on like YouTube yes or because
0: it is the 40th anniversary mm-hmm. this year of, of the original Alien film and um, in a, an amazing piece of um, kind of corporate skullduggery which is the kind of thing you do when you're in a massive <laughs> corporation which is undergoing a merger and there's all kind of positive oh fun. of course yeah they couldn't make a film or anything kind of Majorly significant, so they they essentially got some alien fans to make ten short films, and I've seen three of them. And to be honest, who better to make those films than the fans? Yes, um, at least one of them that I've seen is really good. Um, I'm, I'm going to
1: give them a watch, I think. Yeah. So, no, might, I, I might, be, might might have to do something on Aliens, maybe, at some point in
0: the future. Oh, please do. and um, Please give me a call if you do, because <laughs> um, I can talk and talk and talk. Aliens is one of my three favourite films. You've mentioned Boom. one of my other three, which is The Wicker Man already. Um, and my third favourite film is With Nail and I.
1: With Nail and I,
0: good, which, cho- good choice. Again, we're both, we've both got acting backgrounds. Yeah. We can relate a great deal.
1: Definitely, yeah. definitely. And you are a big big Hammer Horror fan as well, aren't you?
0: Yes, um, I've. Um, I mean, that's uh, we talked before on um, on our podcast stuff on YouTube. Mm-hmm. Um, myself. And which
1: podcast is that? Well, do some more promoting.
0: Yes, no, absolutely. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm getting around to it. Uh, yes, so um, you and I have another friend who's an actor called Howard Whittock. Mm-hmm. He was in Harvey with us. In he fact. was. I think he was doing an American accent. Yes, He's he like was the, the only, only one. person in the cast.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> um, yeah, that's why after we did that show my brother came up to me and said you know I watched the film Harvey the other day and I thought it makes more sense because it's clearly set in America it's not set in Scotland Australia England and several <laughs> other places like the one you did so I was like okay but well no yeah me and Howard are both kind of huge fans of, of British horror films um, mm. and uh kind of Uh, Hammer films in particular Mm. and our favourite actors or or two of them are Peter Cushing and Christopher Lee so we did a podcast called the Lee Cushing podcast about that that kind of went away because our our host website went away so we then kind of reinvented it into a thing called and now the podcast starts where we talk a little bit more broadly about horror which Mm. is where we brought you in down to talk about the first couple of Halloween films yes we've got a lot of recorded podcasts about the entire series of Halloween films which will be coming out uh, but probably not until we have successfully relaunched and now the podcast starts yes, properly. Yes, so on,
1: on a new platform. Um,
0: yeah, it's going to be a, a totally new platform. It's going to be me and Howard and a couple of other co-hosts um, and guests, hopefully such as yourself. Oh, yes, in. I'd love to. I'd love to. Um, and we're just narrowing down the, the format for it at the moment, hmm. which is why we're not quite ready to launch it. But one thing I am ready to launch, which I would love to talk about, is a new podcast which starts on May the 1st called The Faces at the Window. It's derived from a Manchester sketch comedy group who basically do stage sketch shows with um, songs in them, comedy songs, and we've reinvented it as uh, basically an audio sketch podcast. But we wanted to do something which we thought no one has done before um, and which kind of exploits the medium of podcasts, if possible. So what we're going to do is release a new sketch or song or maybe a couple every day hmm. for a month. So hmm. there's essentially 31 episodes yeah. starting on the 1st of May and that's a Podbean podcast. Oh, good,
1: good. My oh. my my host. God bless, Podbean God you know. bless. I mean, it's easy. It's good to use. I mean, I'm. It, yeah, I've, I've got no problem with Podbean whatsoever. I think they're they're great, and I've had no issues whatsoever with, with Podbean. Just learning how to do it, mostly,
0: once I had that down. It's and, all good. And they are in no way paying you to say that. That's right. No, they are
1: not. I'm actually paying them. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I'm actually paying them so to use their, their yeah. services, but it, is, it yeah. is a good service, and it's it's well worth the money.
0: No, it is really good. The other podcast uh, hosting services are available. Yes, they are available. But that others may be... More expensive or less Possibly, yeah. so um, you know, and, and so it's worth recommending. Podbean. Pod,
1: Podbean connects to a lot of other things like YouTube and Spotify, kind of almost seamlessly. Yes, um, you can take. Yeah, I mean, I've got it on. It's on my podcast is on various things: YouTube, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, all these different platforms, many more that I probably can't remember. Um, but it's mm-hmm. out there. But no, I I like Podbean as a as a host as as they go. But again, like you said, many more available, and they might suit different people. So if you are creating mm-hmm. a podcast, do some research much like I did
0: yes and then you have <laughs> fun like what we're having now um <laughs> So yeah, The Faces of the Window starts on the 1st of May which is maybe around now I don't know when this episode will be Probably, yeah, I guess probably around the 1st of May I'm going to say And You can easily find us, our website is thefacesatthewindow.com We're on Twitter at The Window Faces uh, and Facebook and Instagram and all that It'll be basically all over once it it kicks off and it should be really fun because (laughs) um, I can say that because although I did have some writing involvement, Hmm. lots of it I did not Right. And okay. I've listened to it and I think it's great. It's It hilarious. Really makes me laugh. Good. Um, and it's very. There's some absolutely. Well, I think there's, a, there's at least a couple. I don't want to blow my own trumpet. Yeah. But there's at least a couple of. Even though I have no involvement in the sketches I'm talking about, but I think there's at <laughs> least a couple of great sketches in there that are like classics. Really. Every day is um is, is going to have some good stuff. We we've, we've been working on this material for a long time and testing it in front of audiences and things. Mm. And it's now just we just want, wanted to put it up somewhere where it can get a wider audience. Mm. because we've never really been outside of the north of England were there fair enough fair
1: enough so um, my next question is where do you find the time
0: <laughs> um, well to do all these things I don't know um, it's called being unemployed now Um <laughs> uh, Although I'm only recently unemployed, actually, so yeah, it's been...
1: um, It's a voluntary, voluntary unemployment.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it actually is. Um, It actually is, yeah. Um, Basically, I used to work um, a long way away from where I live, Mm. and I I could have carried on working there, but the the travels were really wearing me down. I think it may have contributed, not to my illness, but to the fact that I just got so run down yeah yeah there is viruses or yeah, whatever you're,
1: if you're on a you're on a public transport for too long and frequently enough you're probably going to catch something.
0: Yes, yeah, that's and, and yeah, that's true. Yeah, N- next thing on the agenda: learn to drive <laughs> to avoid this problem. Um, uh, yeah, the question of where I get uh, get the time is I, I don't know, and I I I've always planned more things than I can possibly achieve. Yes, and that basically translates to throwing loads of stuff at the wall and seeing what sticks. <laughs> some of it you will get through face at the window I'm very excited about it because we have been working on it for years and mm. it's coming to fruition now Fantastic. and it's going to be a complete thing it's not like oh we're starting a new podcast yeah, yeah. we might do a few episodes if it's
1: it might up. happen we've done maybe. a
0: whole series yeah
1: it's it's ready it's there yeah. it's just scheduling the releases yeah
0: you're not going to murder me before I leave today. <laughs> you know, I'm like a key you're ranking. a key ingredient <laughs> to so many people's work that getting all this going yeah. <laughs> you're like
1: Christopher Lee in the Hammer Horror Films if he left there'd be no work for everyone <laughs> well, do you know, do you know that...
0: Uh, I've probably said this on, on uh, my and M- M- Howard's podcast before, that's literally how Hammer got him to appear in lots mm. of films that he didn't want to do. Yeah, it's, it's like, I don't want to do *Cars* of Dracula. It's rubbish. The script's terrible. Mm. Well, I'm sorry, Chris, but we've already pre-sold the, the movie yeah. to the American market and they're expecting it. And if you're not in it, they won't buy it. Mm. And we'll have to... You'll be putting loads of people out of work in the studio for like months. So Christopher Lee's like, Oh, all right, then. <laughs> as long as I don't have to say anything, And they just cut all these lines out of the script. Just hiss, he'll just yeah. hiss at them. Yeah, essentially. <laughs> Fair it's enough. Chris.
1: I think it's probably time for us to get on with this podcast. So, indeed, would you like to tell us what film we'll be looking at today?
0: Uh, well, in uh, yes, it will be my pleasure to do that. The film for today is uh, 1977's Orca Killer Whale, Ooh. or in some territories. Orca The Killer Whale mm. Or in the version that I watch for this podcast Orca The Killer Whale <laughs> um, There's many many titles But not to be confused with Orca The Journey Home, starring Graham Greene, which is on Amazon Prime at the moment for free, and you could easily watch that. But it's a a twee Canadian adventure film from a couple of years ago. That's not this one. This is Orca, the 1977 Jaws Cashing horror sea adventure movie. Jaws
1: Sploitation film.
0: Yes, that's a lovely coinage, Dan. I've never heard that (laughs) one. I
1: like to call it Blackfish 2 The Revenge.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Essentially, yeah. Although. that's the crossover because that almost sounds like the crossover of Joel Splotesian and Black Splotesian. Yes, you know, yeah, like, yeah, that's true. There's a whole subgenre we've not explored, <laughs> but you must find out. There must be something. There examples. must be something there. Um,
1: or I, I would, I mean, if he was locked up, I would call it "Don't Free Willie." <laughs> Or never free Willy
0: essentially that's like positing Orca as the uh, Underwater <laughs> version of Hannibal Lecter just yes like keep him behind bars
1: <laughs> just keep him locked up
0: but yes, yeah, so it stars uh, Richard it stars, Harris Richard Harris Charlotte Rampling Will Sampson and uh, Keenan Wynn mm-hmm. and is produced by Dino De Laurentiis and ah, directed by the great um, and not so great sometimes Michael Anderson <laughs> um, a British director who actually only passed away a couple of years ago after possibly the one of the, the longest and most illustrious careers imagine. What,
1: what else has he directed because I don't think I looked up his uh, his history
0: well to be fair he started his career on a high hmm. and maybe never matched it again okay. but he did carry on for a long time he started in the mid 50s with movies like The Dam Busters and the, um, the the Hollywood adaptation of um, Around the World in 80 Days for oh, which he yes. was nominated for Best Director oh yeah so um, yeah
1: so some really really good films yeah yeah yeah,
0: yeah. And, uh, and then he just carried on from there and he basically... ...in some ways you might regard him as a hack director... ...because he would kind of turn his hand to almost anything... ...everything was quite sincere... ...he did a lot of kind of sci-fi genre stuff... Mm. And he and in interviews he was quite always excited about the imaginative possibilities of that kind of thing um so he, you know he would, later in in the 70s not not long before Orca he did Logan's role um, oh, in the yeah. 80s he did millennium with Chris Christstoffph a kind of weird time traveling yeah, I think
1: I think our uh, I think our jewels are bleeping in our hands I think we're next <laughs> yeah. we're definitely we're definitely past our 30s <laughs> yeah, well I mean
0: um, no listen I am I am 29 um, young virile um, In this, in this perfect world of total pleasure, we can have everything except our thirties. I've got, poster. I've got six
1: pack too, and, and rippling biceps that's and firm buttocks. Of, the beauty of podcasting, you know. We've got sexy, sexy voices, and that's what makes up for it. So.
0: Well One of us has um, <laughs> yeah, I feel I must Kind of slightly Apologise to you Dan on for, for this In a little way I feel like I've slightly Misled you Oh Because okay. The concept Of the secret Defenders I, I believe mm. is, is is people um, Defending fi- Unloved films That they love Yes um, And I sort of Do love Orca Oh okay But it is not Necessarily one of My favourite films Or anything like that That's fine But I really wanted To talk about it On a podcast Simply because I don't think anybody Else, ever has I, I googled this, yeah, try like, to
1: see if there was any podcasts around the film because
0: it's a movie that I discovered, and I'll tell you how I discovered hmm. it a bit later. But um, and I really want to talk to people about it, and I've never been able to, so in a way, this is purely for me. This, well, but, yes, yeah, um, it is, it is. Um, and this I'm is your very time. excited to, to go on about
1: it. So, yeah, so, so Orca is so, it's a film that's. Like it's not necessarily like you said it's not necessarily one of your favorites but it's one you felt deserved a bit more notice and to be made aware of
0: absolutely there are there's things in it which I would recommend to anyone um there's also things that that I almost can't recommend to anyone <laughs> but you know um I suppose you've got to be aware of the whole package
1: yes yes it, it's definitely a I, I like we'll get to the cult film test later but it's definitely a cult, a cult film in my eyes like it's it's very unique um I'm
0: glad to hear that now I mean I, you Watched this on on my recommendation. Yes, you, I did. So. Yeah,
1: I'd never seen it before myself. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I and uh, <laughs> um, so wh- when and where did you discover this?
0: Well, I discovered it um, in the place where a lot of cult films get discovered um, in the middle of the night in a student house mm. um, in about. Two thousand and one. Okay. Um. This was the kind of movie in those days. Kind of disreputable big budget movies from yeah. the seventies and eighties were still considered kind of um, suitable fare for yes. a near midnight screening on BBC One. Um. Not so much these days. Now it's all kind of mid two thousands blockbusters. Yeah. that Get shotted into those slots, and I watched about ten minutes of it and found, and with a bunch of guys, mm. I lived in a house with seven guys, and we just saw this scene happening and kind of went, "What the hell?" Yeah. Um, Um, But we're unable to watch the rest of the film. I can't remember why. (laughs) Um, So a few... About two years later, after uni, it was on again in the okay. same slot, and I did watch it this time, and I, and I was even vaguely aware of a couple of other people who maybe had watched it. Okay. But since then, I, I've not found anyone else who's seen it, and also it, I don't, to my knowledge, it's not been on TV again, uh, yeah. not terrestrial. And for this, just to watch it again for this, I had to go to Amazon Prime mm. to to find it. So it is out there. Yeah, it's a movie that I've been looking for a suitable channel mm. to both see again and talk about for a long time. Um. And now because of this I help out. <laughs> <laughs> so um so what what are the reasons that that you love the film? What what would you say? Well, um, I almost feel like it's the kind of film where We've got to describe it a bit and maybe get through the stuff that's not lovable. Okay. In order for the, to then qualify the great stuff. <laughs> but, well, look, I'll, I'll just say this. How can you not love a film which has, I would say, one of the greatest love songs ever written in it about a whale? Yeah, um, okay. Yeah. I mean, you can break that sentence up any way you want, but it is one of the greatest love songs ever written about a whale, I mm. think. Also, it has a scene where a whale burns down a town. <laughs>
1: Yes, that is in the film. So you um, know, the, sc- the score is, I actually think the score is really good. The
0: score is amazing, yeah. yeah. It's the, um, this is an Italian-British-American co-production. Mm-hmm. Um, the music is by the great Italian composer Ennio Morricone. Absolutely. I mean, I think he's he was great at the time, uh, and, and he's still alive and still producing stuff now. Whereas all the other, most of the other great Hollywood composers have died. John mm. Williams is still around. He's and still, still going. Still going. does Star Wars. But I don't know if you've noticed that he's stopped scoring Steven Spielberg films. Oh, has he? Which suggests to me he's slowing down. Yeah. He's obviously decided, well, I'll do the Star Wars because yeah. I don't want anyone else doing that. Yeah, fair but enough. But he's in his 80s. Uh, Morricone is kind of the same age and, and probably has a similar level of um, of uh, productivity now. Yeah. But um, what he did do, which Williams hasn't done recently, a couple of years ago, he won Best Score at the Oscars for the music to Quentin Tarantino's The Hateful Eight. Of course, that was um, um, and um, um, Which is a, uh, quite an achievement, because most of that score was not new. It was kind of composed of offcuts from unused bits of score that Morricone had done for other films like oh, Thing right. and The Exorcist 2. And in a way, Tarantino just took those bits and put them in the film and said, can I use this? Yeah, them? can I use this But Morricone did write a totally original... Score? Oh, Well, not a totally original no. score, but a totally the original kind of opening theme for the film and a few linking bits Mm. and it's just great Mm. i mean i would watch that movie again just for the score in a way a bit like hawker (laughs) um uh yeah so and 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 i I think that morricone is probably one of the greatest uh composers living Mm. um i I think not that my knowledge of classical composers in the world is exhausted no but I, i think the only Composer I can think to challenge him at the moment is probably Philip Glass, and um, and I think Orca is actually one of his great works. I mm. think the score is wonderful, and I do think the the love theme in it, which is all about a whale, is a, a beautiful. It's, it's
1: two two whales yeah. in love. It's not.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not, not interspecies Get, love, are we? Spoilers. But yeah. <laughs> um, and um, uh, yeah, I mean when I say it's one of the greatest love songs, I'm kind of half serious because mm. I think it is a great moving tune. Um, at the end of the film, they put lyrics on it, which don't necessarily yeah. sound amazing. Yeah, that um, was pretty... Yeah. But I kind of think maybe with slightly different words and maybe a different kind of voice, it would mm. be. Um, but the... Um... <sighs> I can't remember the na- Carol Connors is okay. the name of the woman who sings at the end of the film. I'm not sure she was the best choice. No, I,
1: I would I would agree. I do remember going, oh, God. After the ending, I was like, you know. <laughs> and yes, then, I got, not, and then what it starts expecting. with that. I, I mean, was like, oh, it's a bit jarring.
0: I think, again, can we, kind of pre-empting the cult film test. Things which <laughs> uh, you want from a cult film are things you don't expect. Yeah. For good or ill. Yeah. And also, I think a lot of them have... Any on on the music, you know. Most you, of the time, yeah, um, I'd say so. You, there's so much Tarantino is drawn from that and things oh, like so, so that the, these are two things we're already cooking on.
1: Okay, let's let's talk about the plot. We've avoided that for as long as possible now. I think we have to talk about the plot. So Yes, and,
0: and to be fair to Walker, avoiding the plot for a long time is a sin which lots of films do. Yes. But <laughs> Orca does not. It gets no. into it oh, straight yeah. away. Straight away. So, so we, basically yeah, go on, tell um, me. allow me to sum up yes. Um Richard Harris plays the worst fisherman in the world. Yes, name, of of Dumbledore fame. Yes, yes, absolutely. The great Irish film star Richard Harris. Mm. Um, he's an Irish fisherman living in Newfoundland because he's inherited a fishing boat from his. Canadian uncle I think yeah I think so yeah I think that was something like that Um, and he's a grizzled but non too bright fisherman who 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 hunts sharks for a living then realises that um, orcas uh, killer whales are larger and and more profitable you could argue that all of this is total nonsense yeah um (laughs) But anyway, he suddenly realises that uh, the killer whales are great and he wants to hunt one and send it to an aquarium. In hunting One, he's not very good. He accidentally kills it um, and he kills a female um, orca and her child, her unborn child, in an astonishing sequence. Its mate, the male orca, sees him do this and begins an undeclared war of revenge against Richard Harris's character um, and basically... The rest of the film is a series of confrontations, both at sea and not at sea. On the land, yeah. Yeah, with with a killer whale. Strangely, um, and full of absolutely um, it's amazing. It's, it's pretty bonkers. Bits of dialogue like Richard Harris shouting, "I'll fight you! You revengeful son of a bitch!" <laughs> Um, that is a
1: lie. That is a lie.
0: And and during the course of the of the uh, uh, of this development, he gets attached to a oceanographer played by Charlotte Rampling. Yes, um, and, fantastic. And a Native American teacher guy sailor played yeah. by Will Sampson.
1: Where are they? Where are they? In Canada, aren't they?
0: Uh, Newfoundland, Newfoundland. Is off off Canada. I think. Yeah, And okay. that's one of the reasons why I I'm, I am immediately drawn to the film is that um I think it's a really interesting setting. Oh yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think, you know, I like monster, I love monster movies, I love ghost stories and things like that hmm. a lot of sea based sea adventures obviously um, have kind of coastal settings but also a lot of ghost stories yeah. you know you've like got the fog like, the fog yeah and like oh. you know and and the woman in, in black and you've got I just find those kind of towns interesting hmm. and because they're kind of liminal they're on the border with a, another kind of environment yeah they are Frin- a natural, fringe environment yeah, yeah they are a natural setting for stories in which um, the usual rules of life start not to to apply, mm. and I always find those interesting. And when I go to kind coastal towns, I feel mm. a bit of the strange atmosphere.
1: You're the, you're the outsider. and there's, yeah. there's other rules. I mean, with with seaside towns with the sea, there's obviously a lot of like superstition, and that plays heavily in this movie as yes, well. There's yeah. a lot of kind of the the fish. So, so well, Richard I mean, Harris.
0: Yeah, I mean. <clears throat> let's also admit there are a lot of stereotypes about seaside <laughs> yeah that as well Yeah, and, as well. Um, and about them being superstitious and stuff I'm not saying that the stereotype necessarily true I do think it's an interesting realm to think about and to make yeah. stories in oh, of course, and yeah. the movie definitely the movie by the way is written by Italian, and I think it may um, yeah. play into some um, stereotypes about maybe Native Americans fishing communities yeah. Canada, uh, Canada mm. that those writers were not too distinctive about yeah.
1: Yeah, of course, not. They weren't, they weren't that.
0: Having said that, I suppose I should say that doing having done a quick Google about mm. this film, um, it is apparently based on a book by an American writer called mm. uh, Arthur Herzog, who's another book his No, of no George... relation to Werner. No relation to Werner, <laughs> <laughs> Werner Herzog! Um, no, I'm not going to do it because I'll just turn into a horrible cliche German, but, um, no, but Werner Herzog has one of the best voices ever, and you can do it, that's one at the time. But, no, I don't, I don't think so, or, mm. or indeed related to a director I worked with once called Andreas Hertog good name <laughs> but no he, he was like a creature disaster novel novelist guy okay. he also wrote a book called The Swarm which was made into a film with Michael Kay oh I've heard, I've heard of this I've never seen it and and it's a famous disaster yeah um, so in a way I'd love to see it there's a great um, kind of one man. Um, show that I saw Michael Caine doing where he described the moment where uh, he was asked to be in the swarm and he gets a phone call and his voice goes hey, it's Ir- hey Michael, how are you doing? It's Erwin Allen. And, and Michael Caine thinks to himself What? It's Erwin Allen. He produced The Towering of <laughs> The Poseidon Adventure, he's, he's, a, he's a genius. Yeah, I'm so pleased to hear his voice. Kn- known
1: as the master of disaster, I believe.
0: Uh, yeah, indeed. And uh, and Owen Allen says, I got a movie for you. Uh, and uh, Michael Gay says, I'm so excited to be doing a movie for Owen Allen. So I said, I'll do anything, Owen. He says, It's about some killer bees. <laughs> I said, That's okay. um, anyway massive tangent but um, although in a way that does paint the kind of situation that cinema in the 70s in the late 70s -hmm. was kind of in the wake of the success of Jaws which was in 75 Mm -hmm. people wanted monster movies there'd always been monster movies but they wanted the new wave the big the the new style yeah Yeah. you know they want uh, and there's a certain amount of um, throwing back to the monster movies of the 50s and doing them again yeah yeah with Repackaging, machine. and um, I do think it's important to say. Um, I kind of think, as a film fan, I, I point of view that the seventies are probably the greatest period of Hollywood, or, or maybe kind I of Western. I cinema. think, I think,
1: I think Western creativity in general. I like think the seventies was was a very good period historically, just for creation of music, uh, comic books, great, yeah. movies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You you name it. Speaking of speaking of comic books, the Swarm has reminded me of one of my favorite comic book characters. It's a Spider-Man villain. Oh right. Um, or a champion's villain, and he's called The Swarm. And he happens to be a Nazi scientist whose body is comprised entirely of mutant killer bees. Okay. Right. Um. So, yeah, and that sounds like um, a movie in itself. I think
0: maybe he had an influence on Clive Barker.
1: Possibly, possibly. Who knows? Oh, with uh, the Candyman. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um,
0: So, yeah, I mean, um, I I think Hollywood was at its best in the 70s, and I think the reason for it, or at least the reason it seems best from where I am, Mm. my vantage point, is that in the 70s, many of the creators and stars of the kind of golden Hollywood period were still there, and at yes. the same time, yeah. people who would become stars and, and who are stars now and mm. who are massively influential now were starting to arrive. So you could have a movie with, say, James Stewart yeah. and Al Pacino. I don't think there is one. No. but you know, but on the other, that's, end, a, you, that's a fan fiction for you, isn't you, it? You, <laughs> did, you know, you had the disaster movies boom, and you did have, like, for instance, one that I love. I should talk about this on another episode. Yeah, sure is um, Airport 77. Okay. Which has um, James Stewart, but also has Christopher Lee, but also has Jack Lemmon, you know, um, but also has like Gil Gerrard, who was Buck Rogers in the 70s TV series. Wow. Um, and just a real, a weird multi-general. Yeah. Brenda Vaccaro from, um, I think Supergirl is in it. Anyway. Um, <laughs> so... Orca kind of comes at that moment. The other thing that happened in the 70s with Hollywood is that the kind of old studio system was giving away to the new wave of filmmakers. So you mm. had like, Coppola, who starts in the 60s and then um, really changed things by with The Godfather, mm. and people like Spielberg and George Lucas, who were kind of his protégés. And in a way, Spielberg and Lucas, by doing Jaws and Star Wars, reinvented the big studio movie, made it into a, a created the summer blockbuster that we know today. Your listeners know all this, I'm yeah. sure. <laughs> we, everyone knows this I'm saying nothing new But the point is that uh, I think Dino De Laurentiis who was a, a very storied Italian producer Who in the late 70s Was just moving over to Hollywood Hmm. and trying to get kind of Hollywood scale productions going after having done loads of things for decades Hmm. in Italy and he takes a look around at what's big in Hollywood and what's really happening and kind of goes right I can do better than that but the way that he says that is connected not to the reality of what's going on in Hollywood at the time but to his conception of what was great about old Hollywood which is probably the kind of cinema that inspired him when he was becoming a film producer in the 50s and things like that so therefore you've got a big feel good amazing monster movie blockbuster like Jaws which you know is one of my absolute favourite films in a way Orca is here in place of Jaws if you know what I mean yeah yeah because you
1: you thought it needed uh, more of a spotlight Jaws doesn't need a spotlight yeah yeah. Everyone knows Jaws.
0: Um, yeah, and there's yeah, yeah, there's a connection between them, mm. obviously. Um, so, De Laurentiis sees that and goes, I'm going to do that. I'm going to do it bigger and better. The first thing he tries to do to outdo Jaws is he remakes King Kong in 76. He does, yes. That was specifically because he saw Jaws and said, what can we do? And basically decided, look, they made a big mechanical shark. There's no reason why we can't make a big mechanical ape. And they did. <laughs> And it didn't work. And, and well, Jaws didn't work. Well, no, it didn't work either. Um, and and um, the the whole reason that Jaws is wonderful is that you don't take the monster for so much yeah. because they couldn't film it, because yeah. it wasn't working. That part of the story had not, obviously not got to Dino. No, And they by the time built a died. big King Kong <laughs> that didn't work and couldn't be filmed. So it's hardly in the film. Most of that movie is a man in a suit. Yes. It's the illustrious Rick Baker in a monkey suit. But he did that, and he brought it out anyway. And he'd already, even before King Kong came out, he's like, right, Jaws, we're going to really hit this one. I need an even bigger fish. And he literally says to his, his producer, Luciano Vincenzoni, find me a bigger fish that's, like, scarier than Jaws. To fry. I do this, <laughs> essentially, yeah. i got bigger fish to fry. <laughs> um, yeah, he said that in Italian. But, um, yeah, so they they, they they look into that. But the way that De Laurentiis wants to outdo Jaws, which is the new way of doing movies, uh, by a new young director who is, like, 25 or yeah. something, um, and which is making people happy and, and leaving having them leave the cinema feeling good in a way that they almost can't remember ever having done, it mm. creates popcorn cinema, it creates summer cinema, Yeah. Um, and what does Dino do? He goes, we're going to make a killer Whale movie, so we're going <laughs> kind to of base it on Moby Dick, we're going to get the director of, oh we're going to get a director who's nearly won an Oscar right, mm. we're going to get an even bigger director than Spielberg, mm. so bloody Michael Anderson who, 20 years beyond his Oscar nomination mm. at this point, <laughs> yeah he's really good, but, the, but I just think it speaks to the fact that that De Laurentiis is looking entirely in the wrong place. For it. And and also like it's like um, I think the main character in, in Orca is the grizzled yes fisherman mm. played by Richard Harris who's great in it. Mm, he is, um,
1: he's really good. It's it's a really strong performance. And if you
0: close your eyes, I think you can picture him playing Quint in Jaws. Yeah, he's and he'd be just as good. Yeah, Robert Shaw in that film is wonderful. This guy would be just as good. Yeah, but like newsflash, Dino, Quint was not the hero of Jaws. No, <laughs> Quint is the 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 the, um, the grizzled fisherman who kind of comes in to take over the yeah. film towards the end the morally
1: but, morally blurry
0: yeah and yeah, and he's like he's not very likeable no. um, and, and, act, and you're always on the side of the young cop yeah. and the young um, oceanographer played by uh, Richard, Richard Dreyfuss, Dreyfuss. Yeah. yeah those characters have no analogue in Orca it's all about Quint essentially yeah. this is what and by the way Quint's boat in Jaws is called the Orca ah. and, and they deliberately named that because they wanted it to be named something that could kill, kill a shark
1: well that's that's literally how the film opens they're, yes. they're fishing hunting for sharks they're trying to get a shark and then the Charlotte Rampling's an oceanographer and her team are investigating something yeah. and then they see a shark is nearby and they're trying to hide under some rubble under the water yeah Charlotte yeah. Is,
0: it, it tries to get away from the shark by the way th- uh, that shark looks really frighteningly close hmm. to Charlotte Rampling and I think that, that, sh- that footage is quite alarming I mean it's not her yeah. I'm sure it isn't her the underwater footage of the real sharks was actually filmed in Australia Hmm. by Ron Taylor, the the guy who also, with his wife Valerie filmed the real shark footage for Jaws, yeah, yeah. also in Australia um, so you know, you've you got some stuff with the real shark going on um, uh, you've then got uh, Charlotte Rampling gets out of the water and That's goes right. onto the boat and the... but her <laughs> colleague falls in the water in like the most stupid way he just
1: kind of goes whoa yeah. <laughs> very comically just like
0: I'm falling out of my dinghy <laughs> whoa yeah um, and, and the shark goes after him yeah. but at the last minute it is intercepted very dramatically like, by... like, a,
1: like a missile I think yeah. the shark is actually knocked out of the water yeah. Like and they're like and everyone's like, what did that? And it's like, yeah. that's an orca Bam, yeah. title. Well, yeah,
0: well, actually, yeah, it's trailer moment. Yeah, um, pretty much. Uh, Richard Harris goes, my god, what did that? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. and uh, Charlotte thing goes, there's only one creature in the world that could do that, a killer whale. Boom. Uh, and she says that with all the dr- dramatic. Uh, power of someone who really hates where they are in life <laughs> at this moment. Um,
1: uh, I think Charlotte Ramblin always looks like she hates what she's doing constantly. I mean,
0: uh, but um, she,
1: but she is a little bit like. I'll be honest. She's. A, I'm quite attracted to Charlotte Ramblin
0: oh, No, she's very like, attractive.
1: She's very talented. Um, I, I watched her in the recently. I watched the Night Porter. Right, bit, which was made before this. Yes, uh,
0: in the seventies, uh, she was a major sex symbol Huge, because yeah. of the Night Porter which was a very sexually frank Italian movie. Very. Dirk Bogard. Yeah. Yeah, undoubtedly. And she's I, watched, I also watched
1: Zardoz. She was in Zardoz. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've never seen that.
0: Um, and she's in... It's weird. Very uh, weird. She, she gets credit with me because she contributed to the, the British horror. Of course, um, yeah, then yeah. she's in Asylum, yeah. which is a Amicus film from Oh, I need to watch that. To watch it's that. very good. Well, I think it is. Um, <laughs> And uh, yeah, but I think in this film she definitely feel, looks like she just doesn't want to be that. Right. And I think, and I don't blame her uh, because not got a whole lot to do, I'll be honest. And and well, mainly she's delivering exposition, oh, God, which is yeah. written in kind of Ugh. terrible, um, not quite correctly translated English, which is what you obviously. I, I think that everyone in the film speaks in this strange way, which is what happens when writers write in not their first language. Yeah, the only one that this does not apply to is uh, no. Richard Irish's character. Yeah. I think he Improvised. had a deal with the director. Basically, said, "Look, this character's supposed to be Irish. Let me Irish it up." And the director, uh, the direct. By the way, Michael Anderson could mm. speak Italian. So he because Dino De Laurentiis always kind of used it as a kind of shield that he couldn't yeah. speak English properly, yeah. and 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 probably a lot of the crew could not speak English. But Anderson, he spoke about three or four languages. He he wow. certainly in his element, and he could he could go up to the producers and go, "Look." Richard Harris wants to do this with the script hmm. I think he should and, and get that leeway which is why when Charlotte Rampling's <laughs> colleague falls in the water <laughs> for no reason yes. Richard Harris shouts that it's falling in the water
1: <laughs> that's one of my that's one of my favourite lines in the whole film
0: yeah it's just wonderful um, so he's like what are they doing with that shark about what are they doing down there
1: <laughs> I was just like I was just like he's, he's not wrong but yeah
0: no it's like... Uh, I mean, it's funny, it makes me laugh, but I think it's great that he did that. Yeah. I think that... Everything that and one said. He, he created
1: a real character yeah, with with he, that. Like n- nobody else has the amount of development that the Richard Harris character has. No. I Even mean, Charlotte Rampling doesn't have much to say or do other than well, she kind of changes her mind every five minutes what she wants him to do. Yeah. She's like she's like uh, you're a coward for not fighting him. But I didn't like when you killed the other whale. But you should kill this one because of the fisherman town and they hate you and they're gonna you know yeah. they want you. It's yeah the kind of the motivation of her is kind of all over the show. And then
0: later in the film. When he's going to kill it, she goes, "No, you shouldn't kill it."
1: Yeah, um, it's just like it's like oh face him. You have to fight him on his own terms because they. She talks like you said. She talks at the start. She gets, She's to be fair, like the exposition that she's given is she's just teaching a class, and I think that's probably well.
0: That, that's like um, an extremely uh, rote, yeah, uh, approach to solve the problem. How do we get this exposition into the film? Oh yeah, we'll have her doing a lecture. Now that is justified because according to the script. Uh Nolan comes to the lectures and listens mm. to her speaking and then starts to meet with her afterwards and they become friends. But you don't see any of this in the film. This is all given in a voiceover. Yeah. Um which I, I think is like they were gonna film that, yeah. But they couldn't get Richard Harris to be at the location yeah, yeah. or whatever. So, um it could, so I think it could have done with a
1: few few extra minutes added on because it seems yeah. very it,
0: It's very tight. Yeah, it's, it's a very, very minute tight. B movie left so you've got this scene where it's basically just there to, to give exposition and to be fair I think it's quite effective it doesn't connect dramatically no. to anything else in the film but Charlotte Rampling even on total autopilot is able to deliver these lines very, yes. with with a great deal of kind of portent where she says you know it is without challenge mm. the most powerful creature on the earth yeah. and things like that and she does orca, call it, Orca
1: Orkinus the bringer well, of death
0: well yeah which well, is not called by the way no, no. Um, it's called Orkinus Orca is the correct Latin, yeah. and I think "Bringer of Death" is a kind of slightly broad translation. Yeah. Um, also, there's a bit where she. I think goes,
1: we're, we've, we're talking about a lot of broad translations in regards to the yes, Italian yes, in the script, quite
0: possibly. <laughs> um, there's also a bit I don't know if you noticed where she demonstrates to the class the size of the orca's brain. I do remember. And yeah. she puts up a chart with four brains, mm. but she says, "Now these three brains are a dog." Uh, an ape and a killer whale. And there's four. There's, there's four. four. <laughs> yeah, I remember. And it's like no one thought to change that when they were editing it, or or you know she's not even on camera when she, she does could that. Yeah, but, you she, know, she, it's not because her, it wouldn't match her lips. No. Um. So it just yeah, that was I went I went, I did have
1: it like I don't think I realized at the time, but then I, for it took me a minute, and I was like, but there was four pictures.
0: Yeah. <laughs> okay.
1: Whatever. Move it on.
0: It's just like she she just got bored and she missed one. of yeah. <laughs> I'll
1: just forget one of my lines to hurry it along.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but, okay, um, I want to say something now that okay. I should have said right at the start. No worries. Um, there's a book that I wanted to bring mm-hmm. today um, called Great Lies to Tell Small Kids. Okay. <laughs> by the British comedy writer Andy Riley. Okay. Um, I believe you've got uh, some examples of the, the lies contained in this book.
1: I do, I do. Uh, would you like me to uh, cherry pick any? or Give us a couple. Wine makes mummy clever. <laughs> Nice. It takes the breaks of seven penguins to make a penguin biscuit. Okay. <laughs> Don't know about that's, that
0: one. That's a totally mental one. Can we have one more?
1: Yes. Milk feels pain. <laughs>
0: Great. So, so, so yeah. yeah. So, this sounds like an interesting book. It is a fun book. As I was given to me for Christmas a few years ago. And basically, it's, a, it, it's suggestions for a form of sanctioned child abuse. <laughs> um, and okay. Okay. And I would um, suggest, if you're going to do that, then a great lie that you could add to the list is, Orca is an absolutely classic mythic film of Western culture, and Jaws was a shoddy rip-off that we made a couple of years <laughs> later. I would love to bring someone up in that knowledge, and and uh, see how, how old they got before they worked on the truth. And, and also what it would lead you to believe. Because, in, in a way, I think that... Uh, I'm going to argue that there's a lot of quality stuff in Orca. It's not the movie that Jaws is. No but it does I think I'd argue
1: uh, argue it's a bit closer like you said to Moby Dick
0: well what what I would yeah uh, I mean I think that De Laurentiis kind of um, grasped that there was something mythic about Mm. the story that Jaws told Mm. so he wanted to do something that was more even more mythic more on the nose with that and I do think it has that sense of a mythic epic struggle that maybe even Jaws doesn't quite manage yeah Um, because Jaws is absolutely brilliant but at the end of the day it is just a B movie yeah Whereas Orca, which is a totally a B movie, yeah. but he. St- it struggles for this kind of epic kind story of, of a yeah. man's folly.
1: There's, there's even kind of a mystical, mythical element to it with the the Native American character. Yeah. the fishermen's kind of they're talking about. I mean, the first, like we talked about those first two scenes in the opening of the film. It's basically going, forget Jaws. This yeah. is the killer. This is that. It's like this is so much better than. It's just like we yeah. just knocked Jaws out. That we've literally knocked your Jaws out of the water via yeah. the killer whale. And you know, and then we're describing how, how much how intelligent it is, how it bonds for life, how they're vengeful. They're really they've got a big brain and they're yeah. vengeful, which I didn't really buy, but
0: No, and well it's weird that in her lecture a Rambling character kind of says that the kind of three things she uses to illustrate how great killer whales are is they're great parents, yeah. they're bond for life, and they have a, a profound sense of vengeance. Yes. Human. That's not our defining quality yes. as a species, you know. And I don't think it should be the defining quality <laughs> of the whales or anyone else either. No. Really, no
1: so, so after that, after that scene, so let's carry, let's carry on. So, after um, so I just, oh, I no, just go just back to your something. point. Sorry. But yeah,
0: um, the other thing I just want to mention sure. about the mythic quality. Yes, sorry, yeah. Is that um, it's kind? Of, it reminds me of the story. Of the rhyme of the ancient mariner by oh. Coleridge, um, you know because that the whole thing of like, oh, he wants to kill the albatross and everybody tells him yeah, not to, yeah. but he does anyway. But yeah, then yeah. The, the the ship is cursed, mm. and it, and he gradually comes to realise his folly. Basically, Nolan is a massive idiot. Yeah, and even his own crew—they don't actually tell him not to do it. No, but Bo Derek says, "Oh yeah, Bo Derek's in You him. know, I We forgot. could be breaking up a family by doing this, and he just goes, "Ha ha." ha. You know, he obviously <laughs> thinks that Callous. any kind of well, he doesn't believe anything. Nah. He just thinks it's nonsense. Yeah. Everything he shall at Rambling and yeah. he kind of takes with a cheeky wink and a kind He's of like, Irish yeah. smile.
1: Well, he talks to in the voiceover. She says that he, you know, he talks to me and asks me for all this information, and it's clearly just so he can kill the thing. Yes,
0: yes. and it, and she doesn't work that out. So, what kind of scientist is she? You know? Yeah, exactly. Um, but um, I mean, she. actually says, I should have realised that fishermen don't ask about anything unless they want to hunt it or catch it or kill it. Yes, um, like yeah. You should have realized that yeah. quite quickly, really, yeah. especially being a scientist, and also how you met him. What was he doing when you met him? He was hunting a shark. Yes, um, uh, yeah. But, but 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 I do think that the story of, of Nolan, you like him even though he is yeah an idiot. he is you likable. don't think he's right. But you're kind of with it. What
1: I do what I do like about his character is that yes, he does basically he he does hunt down the killer whale, he kills the female, he basically butchers the female, doesn't even kill her quickly, brings her on board the boat. Then something happens that I don't think I will ever see replicated in any of the films ever in my life. The the female whale, the stress of the That's butchery the scene causes a
0: miscarriage. That we saw at university yeah. and we all went, what? what is happening? And um, it's
1: kind of this it was kind of very darkly humorous because it's like it just shoots out and it's this basically polystyrene square blob.
0: Yeah, I mean it's not the most convincing prop either. No. And to be fair, you might not even recognise that it's a baby whale unless you, if you haven't seen the lecture. scene, yes, start it, where she shows a, a diagram. Of, yeah. or, but it. But at the same time, the sound it makes is awful. Oh god, the screaming
1: and, is horrible. Yeah. Um.
0: And the uh, Nolan is so disgusted that he host pipes it off the boat. Yeah. Immediately. <laughs> so and, sensitive. And get, get it off my boat. And, <laughs> and just the thing is. It. And, and he wasn't even trying to kill the mother whale he was trying to capture the male yeah and he hits the wrong whale. It goes through the well, male's through fin, the male's doesn't fin, it? Fin, it? goes through the male's fin. Which is a great bit of visual storytelling because then you know when it's that whale because you can see it's the, the scar its fin. Yeah. But yeah, so he hits the wrong whale and then he hauls it out of the sea in such a ham-fisted way that he almost kills it but he certainly calls it to miscarry. Yes. It doesn't die for a long time. No. They try and take it into port or whatever yeah. but the reason why they eventually drop it into the sea again is it's only because the male... Ba- is, a, is battering the, the yeah, boat, yeah. And they realise that they're not going to get anywhere <coughs> unless they get rid of the the male, the female whale, which is not dead at mm. this point although to be fair she's pretty much yeah well society. I mean it doesn't look very alive no it doesn't <laughs> um, but I suppose we should mention like because we mentioned the, the shark effects in yeah. Jaws we should mention the quality of the fish effects in this other not, yeah. rather the mammal effects mm. I think they're quite good yes I, I
1: for the, for the, there was the the bit when the dead female is beached. I think that whale looks awful. Yes, it looks terrible.
0: Uh, uh, in in the sense you know, of awful, uh, um, like it just
1: it just doesn't look real. Oh right, it, okay. I, th- I think the one where it's where it's beached on when it's beached and they're like, you did butcher it. Look what you've done. Look what you've done. You know, um, and it's just there. He's like, you know, he's very remorseful about it. But I thought that that, that particular whale looks okay. not so great. Um, but I think the fins look well, the good. Um, the the I think the mouth, I'm, I'm kind of sort of, I kind of remember it. It's been about a week or so now, mm. maybe two weeks. So, yeah, the mouth kind of munching, I think that's pretty good. The bit where the, this part where, they bring he brings a house down, doesn't he? he brings a house yeah, yeah. crashing into the water and stuff, um, and and uh, eats Bo Derek's leg off. Yes, yes, yeah.
0: We should say spoilers, by the way. Yeah, sorry, um, spoil,
1: We're covering <laughs> spoilers now. We have we've we've danced around it for quite some time, but yeah, these are all spoilers. Yeah. Um, and also, <laughs> the scene I loved is when he causes the fire. Yeah, yeah. Like the oil, the, it causes like this oil spill. And Somehow,
0: the the whale demonstrates a knowledge of combustion and chemicals <laughs> and uh, and those want to do to cause the power station on the oh villages yeah. to explode and and loads of houses burned down and stuff where's that come from? I don't know. I don't know. But at the same time, at this point, the movie has moved into a kind of weird, mystical realm. Yeah. Especially with the character of Omelette <laughs> turning up. who is kind of the Native American guy who who looks on it as a kind of sea spirit. Yeah. And by the time the the town burns down, you know you you're an hour into the film, you already know if you hate it or not. I think <laughs> I think probably there's been plenty of stuff that have made you turn off before that point. Probably. If yeah. you if you can make it to the town burning down, you're probably going to go with it, and then till the end that 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 leads to directly into Nolan obviously decides right I've got to go this is what I
1: quite like about his character I know that like in Jaws there's the cop there's the oceanographer there's the fisherman and they're not actively. Well, they are actively going after it, but it's not out of you know out of greed or any any negative feelings like no. initially. And then what he does is is he made a mistake, made a huge mistake, and he goes, you know what, not going to do it anymore. Fair enough, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to go near a whale. I'm not going to do it. But everyone's like pressuring him. to kill yeah. killing the whale. He's like, you've got to kill the whale. He's like, no, I've been violent. I've learnt my lesson. I'm not going to do it. Um, and I respect that in him. That he's yeah. he's made the mistake and he's going. No, I'm going to change. I'm going to be better. And the whale is basically keeps egging him on yeah. by killing these people, damaging boats, doing you know setting fires, you name it. It kind of really does eventually force him to to the final
0: confrontation yeah. with Orca. And what I've just realised as you've been speaking is that the ma- major difference between Jaws and Orca, narratively, is that in Jaws, from the very start, Chief Brody is like, we need to go out and kill this fish. Yeah. And other things, the mayor and whatever, yeah. stopping him doing that until crisis yes. point, which doesn't happen until an hour into the film, then yeah. they go. In this film, he doesn't want to go and haunt it, no. and all the people are trying to get him to haunt it, yeah. and it takes to crisis point for him to go, all i right, we'll go, yeah. and then he goes. And I think that sequence where the, the boat pulls out the harbour, mm. and all the fishermen just it, are just him. watching, you know, again, uh, you know, coastal stereotypes and yeah. whatever, uh, it's a very kind of eerie. funereal eerie kind yeah. of moment. And, and, and really backed up by the score. So many of these kind of aesthetic elements are really nice. The other thing I'd kind of say about Orca, again, kind of which can, compares favourably to a lot of movies made now, is that, yeah, it's daft and it's um, sometimes distasteful and yeah. sometimes stupid. But the basic story makes sense. Yeah. The char- the conflict between the Orca, the, the whale, yeah. and Richard and the Harris,
1: man.
0: <laughs> makes sense, that you uh, how they both act. Yeah. Some of the other characters and some of the other incidents are pretty unbelievable, but the basic there's a there's a storyline there that's really simple and really works. Yeah. I don't know what you know the human characters in in the fishing village are not necessarily re- re- representation of those kind of people. No, no. The shell rambling character doesn't make any sense. No. The um and, and the even
1: is, she she says you've got to challenge him, you've got to do it, and then he goes he makes a scarecrow of himself to stand at the end of the pier, doesn't yeah, he? Yeah, yeah, So he's like, he's just there watching, and he's like, I'm just going to go shoot him. And she's like, No, you can't shoot him. I'm just yeah. like. Make your mind up. What What do you want? Like yeah, giving yeah. like I, I felt I really did like identify with with the lead character with Richard Harris's performance yeah, yeah. because nobody ma- nobody else is making any sense. The whale's not making sense. No. Like nothing makes sense. And he's like he's like I tried to make some money. I tried to do it carefully. I fucked up. I don't want to do it again. Yeah. You know. And and everyone's like, "No, no, you got to do it, but don't do it like that. Do it like this." And
0: he, yeah, he's been given bad advice by yeah. everyone. And eventually yeah. he's just got to do something.
1: And he goes, "Right, I'm going off. I'm going off yeah. to the Arctic is where the final confrontation takes place."
0: Yeah, um, yeah, it is the Arctic, isn't it? Yeah, I exactly. mean, um, filmed in Italy. Of By course. Yeah, um, the uh, the, they, the the
1: icebergs they, don't look that convincing. No, they they built
0: the icebergs in Italy, um, but I still think it's a pretty decent place for an epic yeah. conclusion. It was pretty. It was pretty um, epic. I mean,
1: what does he say? He says, uh, "Oh, the ice." It'll, the ice cuts both ways.
0: <laughs> yes, it's a bit like Star Trek 2 kind of Going into the nebula, <laughs> all our sensors will be ruined. Yeah, you know the odds will be even. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I I should say as well. I think that most of this movie looks beautiful. Mm. Um, it's actually shot by Ted Moore, who mm. did most. He, he cinematography. God, I was going to say he was cinematographer on most of the early James Bond films, mm. not all of them. And I think possibly the reason he was chosen for this is because one of the ones he did do was Thunderball which is The Underwater. Of course, yeah. Which was one of the underwater. first movies to make major use of underwater photography. Yeah. Um, the underwater director, or the director of the underwater sequences mm. in this film, was an Italian with the amazing name Falco Quilici. Falco Quilici, like. and I think he did a wonderful job as well. I do think it's that they kind of embrace a convention which maybe you kind of have to when you're mm. shooting underwater, which is that all of the underwater sequences are shot in daylight. Yeah. Even when the the, the above water scene is at night. Yeah, yeah. So obviously you've got to have light coming from somewhere. Exactly. Otherwise you can't see anything. Yeah. And, and, and especially
1: no. if it's like killer whales are predominantly black as well. So. Yeah. Yeah, you need you need something.
0: Yeah, um, but I think I think most of, most of it kind of works. I also think there's, um, you know, I've kind of made fun of my, like Michael Anderson a little bit, and I do hmm. think he was a bizarre kind of choice. To, yeah, you know, we need a we need a new Spielberg. Who can we get, Michael Anderson? Um, <laughs> But there's great visual storytelling in the yeah. movie. I mean, the opening sequence. There's a long time before anybody says it. You've got a lovely title sequence. I want which... like to mention this. Yeah, go on, you you say.
1: Well, it's it's kind of it's with the the the, the love thing you were discussing earlier. It's yeah. playing. And it's this kind of, is it, I think it's a sunset or it's a sunrise, Yeah. and it's two whales kind of lovely, kind of joyous kind of dance. Um, yeah, there's a,
0: a thing that whales do called breaching, where they okay. leap out of the water. That's it, yeah, yeah. And, and basically they're doing that as a kind of courtship, ritual. Yeah,
1: and that's kind of the, the whole theme plays, I think almost the whole theme at yeah. least, um, plays. And it is this this beautiful, and it's like, you know, this is nature, this is beauty, this is, you know, this is a gorgeous animal, and it, you know, it cares. it's sensitive it has an incredible brain you know all these other things it's deeply in love bonds for life you know all this stuff
0: yeah uh, you're actually invited to care about the monster exactly yeah which you are certainly not in yours. no oh exactly it's
1: it's, well yeah there's no again there's no
0: I I mean I think maybe this is a hangover from um, King Kong remake because um, identifying with the monster yeah I I think there's a famous interview with Dino De Laurentiis where um, he was on uh, British or American TV and obviously Celsby English for a while but yeah. they asked him in English is this King Kong film better than Jaws and he goes yes and they said why and he said because when Jaws die nobody cry when King Kong die everybody cry and I'm um, and I, and I <laughs> to all Italians um,
1: I'm a bit Italian I find that offensive <laughs> I'll forgive much. you on behalf of all Italian people <laughs> thank you I appreciate that I feel better already
0: um So yeah, I I think there's a a bit of that following over, but also leading up to that sequence Mm. is the title sequence where you've got a little kind of gentle sliver of the score building Mm. up. But also the visual is two dots going together, Uh, and 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 you hear the kind of whale song. Yes. What uh, it took me a couple of viewings to work out what it was, but basically that's the meeting of the two whales. Is like. It's they've been so tracked awful. on a sonar thing yeah. and they've obviously been speaking to each other over a huge distance mm-hmm. and they've swam together and then when the credits end and and, and you have the fade up on the sunrise mm-hmm. and they leap out the water that's their meeting. Yeah, And then immediately following the whole kind of romantic breaching yeah, yeah. with two whales uh, you, go, you, you go to Newfoundland mm. and there's a banner across and you can hear the whale sounds yeah. then the camera pans down and you realise the whale sounds are coming from a tape recorder then yeah. you follow the, uh, the kind of microphone lead whatever Hmm. from the tape recorder which goes down into the sea yeah then you go into the scene, you follow that down and you find the divo who's, who's kind of um, placing it. Mm. That's the introduction to Charlotte Rampling's character, mm. and it's the the way that the, so much of the the plot and the location and the characters of the movie have been set up in that whole mm. sequence without any words.
1: And it's quite seamless as well. And like you've got, you've yeah. got,
0: yeah, you are,
1: you are absolutely right. You are absolutely right, Dan. I totally agree with that. Thank you, Dan. And I think I think I think I. In all honesty, all honesty, I enjoyed this. Okay. I it, I don't think it's a bad film. Again, it's it's not a great film, I don't think, but it, I'd say I found I enjoyed I enjoyed watching it. I think I watched. I think the main reason I kept watching was Richard Harris. I think he I would not say carries the film, but it's you're invested in him, and I like.
0: he's a charismatic person. He is very charismatic, yeah,
1: and and you know, there's a lot of kind of bit characters that are, are kind of there for for reasons, but don't necessarily have to be. But I do like the quest. I like the mythic angle. I like the. Rel- on on his part of killing the whale i like I like the ridiculous kind of disaster movie elements to it that don't really make sense you know yeah. um yeah, I enjoyed it it was a very much like you said a popcorn box office summer film it's you know it's escapism you know it's just turn your mind off for a couple of hours and again it's a really simple premise you know you don't you know you could I could watch that in a different language and still get what's going on you don't yeah. you don't need to know all the plot you don't need to know that there's no you know bringer bringer of death and all this exposition, I don't need to know all that, sure. I, just, I can see what's happened it's all, and I think that's the sign of a good film is when you can still get genuinely the plot, I watched um, what did I watch the other day, The Accountant with oh, Ben Affleck, ben Affleck yeah. um, it's an action movie but it's got so much going on and there's a strange obsession with the accounting right. which is so dull Right. Um. I couldn't. I. I. I'm not recommending it. Don't watch it. Uh. I just. I found it was boring. There was so many plot elements going on. There was romance, brothers, past, autism. You know, being a badass. Soldier, all this kind of interwoven plot, but like something like this is—I prefer this. It's like straight to the point. Like you said, that setup tells us all we need to know, basically, and then the opening scene says, "Bam!" This is going to be better than Jaws. Um, Then we get the kind of the exposition and some kind of Charlotte Rampling voiceover every now and again, which I don't think was necessarily needed. Well, no,
0: because that was a question I wanted to ask you, Hmm. Daniel. I mean, who? I think you've already answered honest, yeah, but who's the viewpoint character of this movie? I think it's...
1: You could argue it's the whale. You could argue... Well,
0: you could argue... I, you Well, you know where the whale's coming from. Yeah. And you know roughly where Nolan's coming yeah. from. As it, it's mainly like, I did something stupid. Yeah. I want to do it. I want to make it right. And yeah. I don't know how...
1: To make it right, yeah.
0: But at least that you know you can identify with that. Yeah. The voiceover should be from one of those characters if you yeah. have a voiceover. Instead, it's from Charlotte Rampling, and I'm sure that it's only there because there were some scenes they couldn't film. Yeah. Um, I mean, later in the film, there are moments where the voiceover just come back. Yeah, it it, it's, but it's nice, very,
1: but it's very infrequent. Yeah, the, like the voiceover is not as it should be more free. It should be more of a kind of a guiding thing throughout the film. It's like every now and again, it's just like. We headed. We headed towards Alaska to face the whale for the final time.
0: Yeah, which the audience knows. Yeah, we they've just, like... just
1: said we're going to Alaska. Um. But um, but I did. I did. I did quite enjoy the final. The final sequence, the battle on the ice and stuff. I know it's quite. It's relatively short. and yeah. But I, I, I like. Like you said, it was an epic kind of end to it. It and... has a
0: doomly sense to it. I think mm. just invented a new word, doomly. Doomly. Um. You know they could fight on any. Patch of water yeah, in any exactly. weather, but they the the sense of isolation to mm-hmm. it, and the fact that you know not only the whale but the elements are against yeah. them. They're going to get frozen into the ice. Yeah. There's the um some of the icebergs kind of crumbling and things like that. You know, and obviously we've got into spoiler territory. Yeah, yeah, and The true. crew die one by one in yes. different ways, and there is just this sense of it's and, and ultimately mm-hmm. Nolan yeah dies. He, he does, and that's the the I end of the that's... story. Is the the whale. There's a beautiful... Are we allowed to talk about the ending? Yeah, do it, do it. There's a beautiful um, futility about the fact that the whale gets its revenge. Uh, and then um, at the cost of, of and for what you know. And then there's that lovely kind of well, I, I don't, I'm not sure it's lovely. Really, it's kind mm. of a little bit. It's it's really a collision of some unconvincing optical work. But yeah. Basically, the after Nolan has died, um, the whale is kind of trapped under the ice. And I th- I yeah. I read it when I first thought is the implication is that it's one, it's alive, but it needs to breathe and it yeah. can't get it can't to the get surface. Of that. Yeah. So it's it's going to die down there. Yeah. And that's probably all it wants to do because it's lost the love of its life. Well, I mean, there's um,
1: I mean. There's in, in real life, like when a, when an old couple is di- one of them dies, they tend someone tends to die. The other one tends to die of a broken heart, don't they? So yeah. they pass not long after because they've they've got no kind of will to live, sadly, or you know for whatever. Well, but I think with with the whale, it was almost like he'd had his revenge. That was the only thing he was living for. Yeah. So now he just it passed as well. But I, I quite I, li- I like what you were saying about the the ice and the kind of the futility of it. I think I think it it also you know it's it's screams to me that vengeance is a dish best served cold. You know, it's yeah. you know we're heading that and it's it's cold vengeance. They've their hearts have frozen over, like they both lost their loved ones. They've got nothing like they lost their Richard Harris's character. I can't remember the character's name. It's Nolan. Name? Nolan, that was it, sorry. I don't um, what his first name is. Yeah, nolan um, is yeah as uh, Captain Nolan' we'll call him. yeah um but he, he's kind of like he's lost he reveals that he lost his family due to a drunk driver yes. um, collision so he's it, like the and that's
0: a kind of clunkily inserted plot element yeah the way that they do that but yeah, yeah. but that but but he does play into the theme yeah and, and I mean he's I
1: think he's likable enough without that but yeah. I think they wanted to just hammer home the similarity between the two the whale and Nolan mm. um and how they both you know got nothing to live for this is it it's all we're living For now, and he's taken all his friends, everything he knows, the boat, his life. You know, his life there. He wanted to. He wanted to go. He didn't even want to live there, did he? He wanted to get some money and move out. And he was going to. Got the whale. He was going to make the money from that. He was going to leave.
0: He just wants to be able to sell the boat, basically, doesn't he? Yeah, it's just like trying Um, to get rid of it. And I think that the kind of the story, the progression that he makes during the story is that basically he's just a guy. He's a a good guy, but he just doesn't have a great deal of empathy. He realizes that the whale has feelings, and and that in a way he was. he's subjecting it to the same horror that he's gone through in losing his wife and his child. Mm. But he doesn't realise that until way into having done yeah. it, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. he's he can't he can not conceive of that yeah. which is it actually kinda of makes sense when Bo Derek's character basically says to him, Look, yeah. you can't do this. Yeah. And he just kind of smirks. Yeah. He he just can't kind of read that it's just idea. That
1: the arrogance of man, isn't it? And that kind of like we're the dominant species on the planet. We're the most intelligent. Everything yeah. else is just game and That's it. I do really like the scene where he he goes into he's you know he's mutilated the female you know everything's happened and he goes in he asks the priest he was like can can you commit a sin against an animal and he goes well I think it's really it's you committing a sin against yourself yeah, yeah. it's like you that's what you've got to balance that sin against not against you know an animal you can't necessarily relate to it's something you have like that's why you're asking because it's the, what, what makes you feel it's not mm. what, what the animal feels even though the animal clearly does feel revenge yeah. uh, very strongly a
0: revengeful son of a bitch a
1: revengeful. Son of a fish, son of a mammal. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a fish; he's a mammal. But yeah, um, I've got a very embarrassing um, childhood. I misconstrued about something. I misconstrued about killer whales. Okay. So, so you know that the killer whales have those kind of the white panels on the sides of their faces.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: When I was and, and their actual eyes are quite their actual eyes are quite dark. Yeah. Like yeah. Sometimes you can't tell they're even there. Um, there are some nice shot. I will say, there are some nice shots of the, the whale's eye in this.
0: Yeah, the, especially when they kind of do the optical effect where yeah. you see him reflected in the eye yeah. and also they kind of reverse that later on and yeah. you see his eye reflecting the whale. That's right, yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. It's a nice kind of mirroring there. But I actually believe that the white portion of the killer whale's head was actually their eyes. Right. I think when I was a kid obviously I read a lot of comics so there's like characters like Venom who have these right. big big yeah, white yeah. eyes and you're like those work those are normal <laughs> those are totally normal Killer Whales have that and, but then again because it was like when I watched Free Willy as a kid it was like those eyes were so dark you couldn't even tell they were necessarily eyes mm. and again you don't get you didn't get necessarily a really strong close up and I was like "What? I, th- I think what I thought they were were the, like side blowholes or something Right. like okay. blowholes either side of the head these are not you know you know, <laughs> uh, Richard Attenborough probably is like cursing me for thinking what such mean? stupid things both
0: need to do now is go and watch a Richard Attenborough. or uh, David Attenborough. Oh, Attenborough. sorry, I said Richard Attenborough, yeah. didn't I? Yeah, David so. Attenborough's um, kind of life on earth. Kind but of I, mean, of. I mean,
1: I mean, I'd, I would rather watch Richard Attenborough in Jurassic Park. <laughs> <laughs> well, wouldn't anyone? You know? um, <laughs> maybe, he ba- maybe he based it off himself. So, um, so yeah, I think we've kind of, I think have we have we covered, we, it? Or we, we, covered it. Is there anything else you want to say? There's
0: a few other things in my yeah, notes. That I just wanna, yeah, of course. Um, you just mentioned the church scene when they were talking yes. about sin, yeah. and you know. Uh, Again, not wanting to go into stereotypes, but I think the Italian screenwriters may have been Roman Catholic. Possibly. And and they probably know things about about this, um, or or on the other hand, it's just a cliche that you go into, which is where you have like the wise the priest. Yeah. But also, um, there's just a really good example of the Italian translated into English dialogue that everybody except Nolan speaks. At the end of that scene, the priest says to um, he said when he says that line that you yeah. just mentioned, he says, "A sin is really against yourself. You understand? Yeah. And Nolan just goes, yeah, and then the very next scene does the um the introduction of the character i quite like called al swain who's like the um okay. the superintendent of the of the port okay you know he's the head yeah yeah the, yeah, the, the guy with the, the, yeah, the beard yeah played by an actor called scott walker and um and he says something like you're not honing away whale, are you because people around here are superstitious about that kind of thing you understand <laughs> 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 and it's just like um d- uh, uh, just things that people never say yeah um understand. Another one is um, Charlotte Rampling in, in like the early scene where he's building the pen. That yes, put, yeah, the, yeah. He, he, put. the harpoon
1: he has is really cool as well. That big harpoon he has, I really like that. Other oh, one design. he uses towards the end. Yeah, towards the end, it's got yeah. the kind of curved blade on it. And I was like, I was like, oh, I, you know, if I had a harpoon, I want it to look like that.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's. I mean, that's great. Um, there is a. There is a bit of a flaw in the ending in that he kind of goes into the story. It's gonna be a fair fight. it's not yeah i' I'm, go- I'm <laughs> gonna I'm not gonna use guns. I'll just use this harpoon. He throws the harpoon once and then he picks up a gun. <laughs> um no, no, not really. And to be fair, on the other hand, I think one man versus whale is never going be to be fair, be fair like, ever. In 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 the wrong way for, yeah. for him. But um, there's also like, yeah, Charlotte Rampling when she finds out that is this is what he's doing, she says to him, "Lots of bad luck." <laughs> <laughs> um, and um, and then there's Jacob Omelon. I mean, he can, kind of gets away with it because he, he's the kind of cliched Native American character that yeah. even if the, the writers were white Americans, yeah. they would probably write dialogue just as bad for him. Yeah. But his first line is, she speaks to you the truth. And then Richard Harris looks at him and he goes, she knows it from the university. I know it from my ancestors. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I remember that now. And um, By the Jesus. way,
0: Will Sampson, um, I think we should have mentioned, he's a really interesting presence. He's the big guy from um, One, one Flew Over the coast. Is that him? Yes. I know him from three films. This, that, and uh, Poltergeist 2 he's in as well. Ah, Poltergeist 2. <laughs> um, he's always a really interesting yeah, presence. presence as, as he, d- does,
1: he does He carry a bit of like gravitas. I should like to mention... Minsham. Minsham. Min- Min-
0: <laughs> <laughs> Da, 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 da. So that's a
1: small mention, it's a mention. By me, I think we've covered everything. Covered it. Can I ask you one last thing before I want to go into the uh the listener kind of Twitter and what they have to say? Alright. Um but first of all the last question I want to ask is why do you think this movie has such a small fan base or why do you think the general public are not so aware of it?
0: Um I think that it was probably lost in the torrent of, like you say, jaw exploitation movies that came out in the seventies. Only the very, very very best of those films have any kind of afterlife now like Piranha Joe Dante's Piranha because it got a sequel it recently got a remake Mm. uh, and it's it's good it's really (laughs) good I love it it's a fun Um, film and uh, and, I think I saw it, that
1: before as old Jaws,
0: <laughs> right? Okay, I mean it, it'd still work, wouldn't yeah. it? Um, whereas I think there's so many of these kind of films that it was just it was torrential in, in a similar way to like the the uh, slasher boom that we were talking about. Yes, and their yeah, podcast definitely. So many of them came out that you probably wouldn't remember that many. I mean, I think it's significant that uh, only about a year after this came out, maybe less than a year, Jaws two came out. Yeah, and Jaws two has um, a massive go at Orca in return for, like, Walker really? starting off with the shark being killed, and, like, way better than Jaws. Jaws, too, has a dead killer whale on the beach. <laughs> and, and like, Chief Brody is like, my God, what my, my killed this thing. Yeah. You know? um Yeah, so... I, and I also think the fact that he, he got pretty terrible reviews at the time. I yeah. think even at the time, people were aware that the music was lovely. But apart from that, it was fairly bad reviews. I think uh, Harris was, was quite regretful of, Having done it, mm. so it's it's not got a kind of critical respectability that bring it. But I do think it does have a cult afterlife mm. among people who love kind of creature feature monster yeah. movies. Um, which is the kind of stuff that drew me to it. It's this uh, I will investigate movies from that era, which I know are not meant to be very good, but i will probably end up watching them anyway. Mm. M- movies like the Giant Rabbits movie, Night <laughs> uh, of the lapus I
1: start. I think I started watching that. I didn't finish it. Right and uh,
0: <laughs> like. Prophecy, which is giant, mutant... mutant um, bear? Like grizzly bear. <laughs> um, and there's just... There's absolutely loads, and there's various Bigfoot films and things like that. Um, but I think you, you always want... I, I always enjoy seeing the monster, um, even when it's rubbish. And eventually a lot of them, when they're, they're revealed, are rubbish. But Orca, yeah. because so much of it is real footage of real whales, um, stands up on a visual level. Yeah, I think it is undoubtedly true that tell the bits where it's... Uh, Sometimes you can tell the difference between the models and yeah, the real fish course, yeah. and things like that. And, by the way, I think this, there's so many good technical credits on this movie. And mm. I think one, another one is the editors. Uh, John Bloom, Marion Rothman and Ralph Winters. Okay. Ralph Winter's cut King Kong for De Laurentiis mm. Warren Rothman did some of the Planet of the Apes films and I think like certainly sequences like where the um, killer whale kills the shark and throws it out of the water mm. If you, yeah, you you can clearly see which bits are modelled yeah. but they cut it together in such a sharp yeah. way that yeah, the it just editing works
1: is, the editing is probably one of the more stellar yeah. bits of it By so me. yeah so that, I think that, I think we've covered the film there I don't think we're going to be able to fit in the cult film test Oh, I right. think we're, we're running a little a little long, but right. I, I'm I'm glad we've had so much to say about Orca because that's even that's even better because I I thought with such a kind of uh, basic premise a simple plot we might not have had that much to say but but I think we've uh, I think we've gone way above and beyond Down, what we I, needed. To.
0: I've always got stuff to say <laughs> about about movies like this. Sure? You're
1: just a fountain of knowledge, and I, <laughs> and I I love that. And I I hope, uh, I hope all the listeners appreciate all the the nuggets you've been giving out. So speaking of the listeners. So I've asked them two questions. I asked them uh, what their favourite movie animal is, and I asked them what their favourite animal antagonist is. So, or movie that features an animal antagonist. So, okay. uh, I am I am Jack's regular regular musings at I am Jack's musings on Twitter. He said Jaws is numero uno, but a certain fictional I hope breed of South American spiders had a massive impact on my film watching youth so he's referencing arachnophobia yes
0: the venezuelan well jumping spider yes yes it's one of my favourites absolutely that movie was so terrifying I had to leave after 20 minutes
1: it is quite scary I think I'm going to do a podcast on that one in the future I think at some point oh great um, so next up... another
0: one that's a clear riff on Jaws oh definitely well. yeah, yeah yeah
1: definitely next person was Marcus at the Marco guy Uh let's face it as far as any animal antagonist movie goes it's very hard to beat Jaws yeah Um so then we're moving Moving on to the best animal best animal movies or movie animals. Um, Dan Burgess at Dan Burgess has said, Digby, the biggest dog in the world.
0: I'd love to see that. I've never seen it.
1: <laughs> Neither have I. Uh,
0: I've seen clips of it and it looks kind of amazing.
1: Kind of looks like uh, Clifford the Big Red Dog, but without the colour. <laughs>
0: yeah I mean to be fair I there's a few big dog movies and uh, made around the same time and I'm not sure which is which There's yeah. Digby and there's some other ones sure there's a
1: couple of others okay so Robert uh, at that robster can I say gizmo he's an animal right I've always wanted one from gremlins I I'm gonna allow that I'm gonna allow yeah, that. yeah yeah it's a mammal he's a mammal I'm sure it's fine yeah, um
0: exactly.
1: <laughs> moving on to Facebook quickly Lee Anthony says the 1990s Disney movie White Fang I loved that wolf. Apparently, the same wolf dog as the one in John Carpenter's The Thing, apparently. I I don't know. It's 10 years later. Yeah, Mm, I'm not sure. Not sure about that one. I don't know. But <laughs> uh, it is a good film, and I love is. that
0: book. It was one of my favourite this, this
1: Yeah, I remember there being quite a lot of adaptations of White Fang, like throughout the throughout the ages. And I, I think, think there was a probably, cartoon. There was probably a cartoon. I think
0: there's and um, there's certainly um, a kind of director video sequel called White Fang Two. More Legend, fangs. The Legend of the White Wolf. Okay.
1: But, um, White Fang Two. More bite. <laughs> I was
0: going to call it. White going to the Lair of the White Worm oh. would have been wrong and Tony White.
1: He's got the he's got the white worms. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh dear!
1: Oh dear! He's not well. He's not a good dog. Maybe that's why Digby's so big. He's just just full of shit. <laughs> I don't know. Oh and uh, my frequent companion on here, Andy Knowles, Angry Andy Knowles. He's uh, quoting: "It's freezing in here, Mister Bigglesworth." <laughs> from uh, Austin Powers, obviously the uh, the uh, the cat from Doctor Evil's cat. Uh, the, yeah, don't uh, think shot into space. To Blofeld, get like, and he comes back. He, well, he's all fluffy in the first one, isn't oh, he? Yeah. And he comes out, and he's all like, it's it's hairless. Um,
0: right.
1: But yeah, so that has been our podcast, another edition of Secret Defenders. Thank you again, Dan, for joining me on this maiden voyage. It's not maiden voyage, but it's uh, maiden voyage with yourself. So it is a maiden. Wait, voyage
0: me you and Captain Nolan. <laughs> yes. <laughs> We We've certainly done have done this voice together. We have, Dan. It's been an absolute pleasure and an honor. Thank you.
1: Oh, well, I hope you have me on your podcast very soon because I would very much like that.
0: It is an absolute date, so <laughs> we'll
1: do that. All right, take care, Dan, and take care, everybody. Bye bye.